That is not dead, which can eternal lie. And with strange eons, even death may die. These are the stories that were, stories that are, stories that shall be. These are fortunes untold. Don't ruddy move. Primates. Primates with guns. Pitiful. I had hoped your kind had died by the time I awoke. And as it's speaking, you see Hank near near the base of one of the lab tables, hunkered up and you know curled up into a ball is Josh. Winnie. And he's he's kind of rocking back and forth. How how bright is he? You said there's braziers. It's in it's there. well lit in here. Okay, so there's no there was no need to keep the flashlights on. No, at this point you can easily uh, shut them off. Give me, you know what? Actually, this would be a good actually a good chance to use your new Cthulhu Mythos skill. I mean, okay. as unlikely as you are to roll it, very unlikely. But let's go ahead. But roll this. I don't believe that for a bloody second. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's make... I mean, I don't expect much out of this. You got a 2%, I think. But, you know, whatever. That better not be as low as I think That's it is. a one, baby! <laughs> okay, well, I was expecting this step. So, you somehow, with the knowledge you gained through these visions, you notice that behind, just on the other side of the Serpent Man and Josh, you notice a set of runes in the wall. And as the Serpent Man is dialoguing with Aiden, the, something clicks in your mind, and you, you realize those patterns, they indicate travel. There's a gate. They, they, somehow in your mind, you, you're able to read them, and it is, it is a gate. It's a, a portal of some, of some kind. Okay. And it might be a way out. So if we can get rid of this guy, or just get to it. So, the serpent is staring at Aiden coldly. He looks completely unconcerned with the fi- with by me. the fact that that you have guns, you primates. What, what the hell are you supposed to be? You're better. Uh, Hank is You've going to have ridden, risen above your station, ape. Hank's going to lean over to, to Aiden and just kind of quietly say, we get past him, we get to that writing on the wall, we can get out of here. I don't know what the hell you mean by that, but... And I'm going to draw okay. my machete. <laughs> right. He, he gives a hissing... Let me, let me talk to him for a bit more. I, I need to know what the hell's going on down here. I'm not deaf, primate. I just so tell me what the hell's going on down here. You heard my he, freaking question. He, he extends an arm and he points a taloned finger behind you to the to the tunnel. I see we have company. And I'll you turn and you look, and one of those hulking monstrosities that nearly disemboweled Aiden is standing just back at the bend of the of the tunnel. I have my own weapons. So this is Aiden's got his hand. He's going to reach in and pull out the dynamite sticks. And he's going to pull them out and go, so do I. 
<laughs> like, like, it gets it, like, at this point where there's a dude in front, there's a dude behind, and let's go. <laughs> so you're just gonna kick it, yeah? That... <laughs> book it. So like, the, the whole point is while he while he's running, Aiden's gonna try and light them to throw behind him, like like as an armada, as in like this. He he felt this thing. Mm. He's terrified of this thing. Like in one hit, it about knocked him in half. So <laughs> yeah. he's like, I can't blame him for that. So yes. like he he's I would like to. Well, I'd like to to go into initiative order. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, I always go first. Uh, So if you're going to do dynamite, that puts you at your normal dex. Okay. Um, Which is 75. Which is actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, So that's your 75. Hank, are you firing? What are you doing? I'm going to do brawling, which puts me in my regular dex, which is 40. All right. So you still both beat big and ugly back there in the the thing. You do not, however, beat scaly and ugly. That's right. ahead of you. So, un momento, por favor. <laughs> I gotta look at something real quick. No, oh, that's not good. All right, so the serpent man standing before you goes first. Hmm. He has the best decks. Uh, since nobody's man. actually shooting, and he is actually going to cast a spell, which actually functions in the same okay. way. Is in this it? particular case, this spell. Is that a healing spell? Yeah, you wish. <laughs> uh, functions in the same way as a firearm, so it actually bumps his decks. Oh. Because it, it's an instantaneous spell. And he spits out words in a language you neither of you understand. You do not recognize it. And he points at Aiden. Delightful. All right, Aiden. What we're going to need here are is a uh, opposed power check. Okay. So, so snake guy rolls power and Aiden rolls power. Yep. Is that... And whoever whoever does better, and it's going to be really hard for Aiden to beat this guy. Seventy four. <laughs> Sixteen. Ah. Yeah. Um, let's put it this way: he has a power of ninety five. Holy. He cow. functionally cannot fail. Yeah. Uh, as far as that goes. So, Aiden, he gestures, and all of a sudden, your your mind is... You feel something prying and clawing at the edges of your mind. And you are overtaken with this, this flash of a vision of you're slowly being devoured by a massive snake. Like, from the feet up, just by inches... And it only lasts a moment, but you take five points of sanity damage. Delightful. And you... Basically, you immediately suffer temporary insanity. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to say this is straight up fear of snakes. That makes Ophidophobia. sense. Ophidophobia. Okay. You, are, you are straight up terrified of snakes. And since this is the bout of madness and the involuntary action as well... I'm going to argue you've already lit your your, two, your sticks of dynamite. Yeah. You are going to go ahead and just hurl them. Forwards? You're and going to throw them at the, at the serpent, uh, at the sorcerer. Okay. Because he is the most immediate threat, and he is right in front of you. <laughs> he, uh, Aiden's just going to laugh hysterically and be like, so you want to eat me then? Eat this instead. <laughs> like, it's just going to be like, like, it's the whole thing. Like, Freaking head snakes and just chuck them out. I'm like pulling like a baseball player, <laughs> just belting these things. All right, so you and you're hurling all of your remaining dynamite. Uh, uh, all of everything I've got. Oh dear, 
So this goes tumbling end over end, and the fuse is sputtering away. The next thing to act is Big Ugly in the tunnel behind you. Irishmen and snakes, this never ends well. Hey, we, no, yeah. wait, the next thing is me, right? Uh, you, what's your dexterity? 40. Its dexterity is 65, uh, because you're not using your firearm. Okay. That's why you were, you went before it. Before is because you get a plus 50 bonus from using a firearm. Gotcha, gotcha. You're not, so it gets to act first. And you hear this this screeching howl, and the ground shakes, and it comes barreling into the chamber. And it's going to try and take your head off. Luckily for you, it's actually not fantastic. And actually, given this, it is actually this is actually going to be hand-to-hand combat. So this works a little bit differently okay. than using uh, because you're you're going with brawling. So this actually works a little bit differently than combat did previously. So because this is functionally a fist fight right. or fist to claw. So. Um, you're ba- are you going to fight back or try and get out of the way? Um, I, what, given, I don't know how they work. Okay, so I don't given your that. skill, I would suggest fighting back. Basically, if you fight back, it's an opposed fighting check. Okay. Or, you know, brawl. If you try to dodge, it's their fight versus your dodge skill. Okay, yeah, I'm going to fight back. Because my dodge is a 20 and my fight, my brawl is a 70. I kind of figured that was the case. So, so at this point, you are... Essentially, what we're going to do is opposed fighting checks. Whoever succeeds... So do they, does he plus his 70 to his? Or like, how does that work, the opposed? Uh, basically, you both roll and whoever does better. Okay, that works. And well, I'll be perfectly straightforward with you. Your fighting is better than this thing's. Okay, good. <laughs> got and 40. All right, so this is basically the back and forth of combat. Mm-hmm. He is defending, so essentially if he beats this guy, he has successfully blocked or parried or otherwise avoided his blow. Okay. So, you know, sort of like a boxing match. He's maybe managed to, to get his arms up and block. And But it also means he's simultaneously managed to strike back and land a blow of his own. Hmm. Okay. So, let's see. <laughs> yeah, no, you absolutely beat him. He actually failed his fighting check straight up. Because he got a 50. So, alright, so essentially, you won. Uh, it inflicts no damage to you. You get a chance to do an unarmed attack against it. So now make a second roll. You don't need to make the second roll. That covers it. Just oh, do damage. Just damage. All right. Well, uh, this is a machete, and then because of my size, I get a damage bonus. Mm-hmm. So. Huh. All right. That's a 13. All right. So you stick this thing good. I mean, you. I, I imagine you just ram it up inside its stomach, and it doesn't kill it, but... There's this massive gush of fluid, and it screams. And, yeah, you you, you do a pretty good hit on it. Nice. Uh, and it's actually back to you. That's kind of the, the back and forth. So what do you want to what, – what's your action at this point? Oh, so that I'll doesn't let you take go, my action? Uh, you know what? I'm not sure, but I'm going to say no because that was at, on you. So I'm going to say if there's something else you want to do. Okay, so, um, hit it again. Man. Yeah, well, I'm thinking that. Um, uh, um, okay, so you've thrown that dynamite in by Snake Guy. I don't want to charge in after that. That's no. part of the reason I'm giving you the chance to do something else. Um, yeah, I'm going to grab this. How big is this thing? It's bigger than you by a considerable margin. To, okay, because I'm thinking like I want to get behind it for when the dynamite explodes. So it's like, he wants to use it as a shield. shield. Yeah. So mm. I'm like, maybe can I grab my my machete and like pull to the side to like 
sidestep um, behind it or something? Why don't you hack at its legs? So it, like it's like it, you can then. You know what? Give me another. Let's do another fo- post fighting check and see if you can basically spin around behind it. Got it. Uh, what did you roll? I got a sixty-eight. So. Uh, yeah, you still beat it. Okay. Percentage-wise, you still beat it. it. It succeeded, but you did better okay. uh, because your character's pretty good at this. Yeah. So okay, so you you duck behind. Um, all right, so top of the next round. Do I still inflict damage, or is it? Just uh, like... In this case, I was just going to say it was for just essentially a grapple. Okay, you're, you're essentially just trying to spin around behind it, so yeah. it doesn't get a chance to land a blow when or do, anything else. When does the dynamite go off? Uh, about now. Oh, right now. That's yeah. uh, that's, that's why. Yeah, top so, of the second so round. It's just standing there like ah, like laughing hysterically because he's like he's going mad. Top of the world, <laughs> ma. Like his madness is like chaotic so, madness. Um, I recognize that insanity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good old-fashioned insanity. Uh, so that was how many sticks of dynamite? Three? Three. Which do 4d10 points of damage per, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Wow. You also hurled it into a laboratory of fairly volatile liquids. Oh, man. 4d10? Um, so roll your damage. Um, I'm also going to give Aiden a chance to jump or dodge away. Yeah, like, like, like he's ready. He's ready to jump back. Like, it's um, like a, this whole thing is he's just laughing but let's hysterically. Go ahead, let's go ahead and roll your damage first. Okay, so it's 4d10. Times three. Times three. And then there is also going to be... The stuff in the lab blowing up, which I will handle. I'm still uh, okay. Forty ten times three. Okay, so that's a nine. That's a seven. The uh, zero is a ten, right? Yes. Right. That's yep. a ten. And that's a five. So that would be forty-one points or thirty-one. Thirty-one points of damage, points of damage for the times first three. One. Times three more. Uh, yeah, times well, three. Yeah, times cool. three. So that's 93 points oh, of damage. So just I'm just going to multiply them. Okay. So that's 93 points of damage. <laughs> Holy cow. Well, <laughs> I guess we're not saving Josh. <laughs> Josh um, is underneath a table, though. So? <laughs> it could have It could have been a very well Tell team. you what, I will give him a luck roll. Okay. Here in just a second. <laughs> so... Aiden really doesn't care about Josh at this point. He's dragged um, him into a pit of hail. Yeah, so within a yard of that lab bench, it's another 3d6 points of damage. Uh, that's another 15 points of damage. That's 108 points of damage total. Um, <laughs> wow. Aiden's just like, ah, and he jumps back as the explosion goes off. Like, this gets thrown across the So <laughs> as far as you're aware, the Serpent Man just vanishes. Um, you're not sure if he's dead, but... Um, vaporized. Everybody's always saying they're better than me, but better than so, dying. So, Hank, he's your buddy. I will let you make a luck roll for Josh. Okay. Um, roll. <laughs> he ain't been real lucky so far. Roll low, buddy. 45. His luck's a 50. Oh, Whoa. yeah. Uh, somehow, being sheltered behind this stone table at the edge of the blast, he's still alive. You, you notice he's still there. Now, Aiden... You're at the edge of the blast as well. I would highly recommend you either make a jump or a dodge check oh, to no, try and get out of like, the way. Let me Whatever's check what better. my jump is. My jump's a 20. My dodge is a 40. So I'm going to do a dodge. Oh, yeah, 26. Okay, so you 
He like I think he what he do is he jump into the area, but he's jumping back and tries to use the the push as like a, as to get him out of the way. And we know, all know in real life this doesn't work, but who cares? This is not real life. This is real life. This is. When did we go into cinematic Cthulhu uh, a while ago? Yeah. Hey, we, we just attacked a, a giant snake monster or something. You just battle brawled a beat up like a, a big huge other monster. I have a Tommy I'm, gun. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna give. Oh yeah, so the ghast. So the big giant thing standing in front of you, I'm not even going to give him a chance. I mean, he has nowhere to go because you're right behind him. He pretty much disintegrates in front of you. Um, and if he weren't there, you would probably have vaporized in his place. And yeah, so the lab is on fire. Uh, huge chunks of the wall are starting to cave in. So yeah, definitely screaming, get to that, get to that wall. So you're going to, I assume you're going to grab Josh. Yes, going to grab. You're going to grab Josh and bolt for the runes inscribed on the wall. Yeah, All right. he, he's hysterically laughing the whole time. <laughs> so you sprint over to this and you stare at it for a second, and you you put your hand to it, and you feel it drain something from you. So you spend a point of power. It's temporary, but you spend okay. a point of power, and all of a sudden the wall distorts. And becomes this swirling greenish mist. But you can't see what's on the other side. Who cares? So <laughs> I think I think it would be like Hank standing there and puts a hand to the wall, blah blah blah, and Aiden just bundles into him like just like <laughs> And you just all sort of flop through. <laughs> and yeah, so you pass and you've hit this moment of horrific nausea and disorientation. And almost like you're falling. And then suddenly you Thump! You hit the ground, and you realize you're lying in the middle of this circle of badly worn stones in the woods. And you're not quite sure where you're at, but you're out. Okay. <laughs> and you sort of, you know, get to your feet, and Josh is currently, he's just babbling. He, you hear him mumbling about snakes and things that he's seen. And we look up and we can see the sky. You can see the sky. You actually walk a little bit towards the edge of the clearing and you actually hear the sound of traffic. Okay. Uh, you know, and you you walk a little bit farther and you look down and you're on a hill just across the river outside of Providence. All right. And make your way back. And you have successfully survived, despite my best efforts, <laughs> the darkness beneath the hill. Woohoo! All right. <laughs> All right, so you guys have successfully escaped, and we'll skip forward a little bit in time. You, uh, Aiden, finds a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> plays it off as a as a mountain lion attack or something similar, I'm guessing. Yeah. You get, you get stitched up. It takes you a while to heal, but you do get stitched up. Slowly, your, your fear of singing and your fear of snakes do fade. Uh, Aiden, you are racked by... And to a lesser extent, Hank, but Aiden, because you were afflicted by this spell, you are, for a few weeks, you are racked by nightmares. Yeah. Um, on Just on an ongoing basis, both of you really, but particularly Aiden, involving snakes. And Josh, Josh is just, you, you end up getting him treatment and you get him to a sanitarium. He's just never quite the same. Time passes. He, he does seem to recover. He, uh, he quietly sells the house and everything in it, and you receive some 
some money in the post, if you will. Okay. Um, but he retires to somewhere less troublesome to to spend his time. And you you hear that there had been some significant brickwork done under the house. It seems that the, the foundation was getting weak, and Josh felt that it needed to be shored up significantly. Okay. The basement was just concrete was poured in. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. It now has a solid foundation. Yeah, I do so. All right, so we're going to recover, uh, we'll cover two things. I'm going to go ahead and recover, or, sorry, recover. I'm going to go ahead and cover uh, what they call rewards. All right. And you had mentioned earlier sanity loss. Yes. This is actually one of the points where you regain sanity. Oh, okay. All right. So, so how does this work? So essentially the way it works, and it's kind of always worked this way. It's just the emphasis has been greater or lesser depending on the addition and who was running and what have. So you actually gain sanity back for fighting back and defeating some of the horrors in front of you. And you guys did quite a bit of that. So, Okay. For example, you, you rescued, rescued Josh. You okay. didn't leave him to his fate. So that's worth plus 1d6 sanity points. Oh. And I will let you guys roll that. All right. So it's just a straight d6 roll. Four. One. Eh, there'll be more. Yeah. Uh, so you might want to just run, run a tally. but And your sanity can go above what you started at. So you can become more grounded, more sane this okay. way. Okay, there actually is a, a mechanic in the Hero Lab for your sanity. It's just a whole section just built on sanity, and mm-hmm. it's about negative and positive sanities. Yeah, and it can be fiddly to track, so it's a good thing that they have that in there. And it also okay. tells you how you lose. You, you mark it down. Nice. All right. All right. So, for example, you would have lost additional sanity if you had left Josh to his fate. Like ah. if you had just run and left him to be experimented on, or what have you, you would have lost 1d6 plus 1 sanity. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, because, you know, racked by nightmares and guilt and... Every and time one, you, you shut left your, your eyes, you see his face, yeah. yeah. So you escaped and defeated uh, the serpent wizard, serpent sorcerer. That's an additional 1d6. Okay. All right. Another four. four. All right. Uh, you destroyed. You did not destroy the serpent people in their pods. See, that's why I shot one of them. We should have shot the rest of them too, man. <laughs> Uh, you defeated Ghasts. Those are the big hulking, nasty uh, monstrosities. Yeah, I got two of those guys. Yeah, so that's actually, they're worth 1d8 sanity each. Wow. That's okay. 11. So, yeah, so, you know, you've, I think you've, get, you've uh, that's, that's pretty either regained pretty much everything you lost or maybe a little bit more. That's a little Three. bit more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, like I said, you can actually gain sanity back. The other thing is, your insanities were temporary, so those have faded, of course. If you had indefinite insanity, that would require psychology treatment. Okay. So you would either, another player who had it, or you would have to go to a sanitarium or whatnot to be treated. But right. those can be cured. There are permanent insanities, but that requires a lot more sanity loss mm-hmm. uh, to a much more significant degree. Uh, you can also regain sanity, in, if this were a longer game, by spending time with an aspect of your backstory, essentially self-help. And so, for example, with that, if you had a particular place where, well, there's a couple ways you increase it. Let me let me step back. You can increase a skill above ninety percent, and we'll get to skill increases here shortly. But increasing a skill to ninety percent or above gets you two d six sanity points because of essentially self discipline, self esteem, and whatnot. Okay, um, all right. You can increase it through psychotherapy, intensive psychoanalysis, essentially, which is also used for curing insanities. And then, as I mentioned, there's self-help. And that is basically 
that's agitated between the player and the keeper. And that's essentially, if you have some detail in your backstory, there's, you know, a relative that, you know, is kind of your rock that, you know, you go and spend time with them for, you know, healing. If there's a particular place, you know, you go all on Walden Pond, spend a few months relaxing and that sort of thing. You know, it's, it's essentially Even a key. we get rowdy at the bar. <laughs> it's essentially a key connection and you can restore sanity that way. Okay. Yeah. And I remember from the making the characters that, uh, the backstory, like you can roll a bunch of random tables if you mm-hmm. want to, to, to generate those. And I did that to generate my backstory. Yeah. So, and there is a risk if with the key connection that you can lose it mm-hmm. through overuse to regain sanity, but it is there and you can, and you can form new ones. All right. So there, there are ways. And as you said, you've just gained back a whole mess of sanity points by fighting back. This adventure took a distinctly pulpish turn, but you know what? I figured I'd lean into it. <laughs> and so that leads us back to character development. Now this, and I should have mentioned it before, so that's my uh, If you, you guys successfully used several skills. Yeah. Now, and I should have mentioned it before, so that's my fault. When you use a skill successfully, you put a check mark next to it. This only occurs once in an adventure. When that happens, you basically, at the the end of the adventure, you have a chance to learn from the experience and improve your skill. Now, if you get a bonus die, it doesn't actually qualify. It just has to be a straight skill roll. But you guys made plenty of those. So essentially, any checked skill, so for example, you know, for you fighting. Yeah. You know, for Hank fighting, for Aiden submachine gun. You make a skill check. All right, so, so we would make one right now? Yep, you make a skill check right now. Okay, I got a 17. All right, so what you actually wanted to do with this skill check, perversely, is you wanted to fail. Okay. Uh, and basically, if you fail, you roll a d10 and immediately add that number to your current skill. All right, so for example, then I have a couple questions. So mm-hmm. yeah, so for fighting brawl, I failed mm-hmm. for that. Now, I also have, I don't have the skill first aid. Mm-hmm. But I used that. Yes, you can improve it the same way. Okay. so As I long as you had some percentage in it, yes. And that was a 99. Okay, so, so you succeed. Now roll a d10. All right, so let's roll a d10. Three. three. You add a straight up three percentage points to your first aid. Okay, so I suddenly become trained in that skill. Yeah. And, 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 you know, again, if it was a skill that had zero, you couldn't roll. You couldn't do this because you know have no idea how to do it. You already had basic first aid ideas, you know, how right. to put on a Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. And you just got better at it by helping patch up Aiden. Yeah. When he when he was badly injured, okay. So skills are essentially improved through use, and it's, it works that way for basically all the skills that were checked. And you can get anywhere from one percent to ten percent straight up added to it. Now, the better you are at a skill, of course, the harder it becomes to succeed, and or rather, the harder it becomes to fail on that that roll. So the harder it becomes to to improve that skill. All right. So if we were going to be doing this long term, then we want to run through all of those and double check them. That yeah. makes sense. But and you slowly improve your skills through use. And that's honestly, there are no there are no levels, so that's pretty much how you improve your investigator. Is straight up through use of skills. Your skills right. get better. Your you can improve your sanity or decrease it if you know if if uh, circumstances weren't it. And that's how your character shifts. There's also your credit rating, which can change at the end of an adventure. Now, for you guys, it's not going to apply. Mostly, and not even because this is a review adventure but mostly because you've not really done anything that would change your credit rating. Mm-hmm. You guys didn't make any major expenses or anything of that sort. So for example, if you'd had to spend beyond your limits, it's possible at the end of the adventure that that credit rating, your credit rating could go down. 
because of, you know, you spent too much money. You had to dip into your savings. You had to sell your car, something of that sort. By the same token, and it very much abstracts money in general. By the same token, you know, Aiden found those crystals down there. If they turn out to be worth a chunk of money, his uh, his credit rating may go up because yeah. of that. Right, and that money is largely, unless the, the GM decides they really want to, you know, get nitty gritty about it, money is largely abstracted to credit rating. Okay. You know, as far as that goes. And you can, and that's where your, your cash versus your, uh, what was the term? As- assets. assets. That's where your cash versus your assets come in. You know, cash is how much cash you have on hand. So right. if you need to go out in the middle of a venture and buy supplies, then you're kind of getting into the minutia of, okay, well, you have $1,500 cash on hand. You just spent 200 of it on weapons and ammunition and dynamite. But it's not, you know, as long as you're not going above that and dipping into your assets, it's not going to affect your credit rating. You know, credit rating covers your rent mm-hmm. and your car and and all of that sort of thing. So it's not really something you have to worry too much about in this sort of thing. And that's basically how you level up. That's very straightforward. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, they've been polishing the way at the system for almost 40 years. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So, you know, and on that note, let's discuss it. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's talk. Because, uh, you know, like I said, Daver, you had some previous experience with it and you had a few reservations. Andrew is coming into it brand new. Yeah. I have both played and run it at various times, although it's been a few years. So I think we've got a nice, variety of uh of experiences you know in the past with it so well where do we want to start you want to start with uh critical hits of course what did uh you know let's start let's just go around let's start with david what's your what's a critical hit for you what did you really think it did well um well not just because i succeeded at them very frequently <laughs> but uh, i actually like the skill system mm-hmm. i i think it's not as i think when you have a, a bigger percentage like that mm-hmm. it's not as swingy as like a low uh a smaller number system like mm-hmm. uh, to to get to the very severe part like the old D uh like an elf can check on 1d6 and if they roll a one then they manage to succeed at this and uh, you know they manage to detect a secret door yeah well, that's because that's real swingy because but with with having these percentages and being able to shape them like we had talked about where you're not just like okay i'm first level so i have a six percent chance of doing this mm-hmm. it's, just, uh, it's just how many points you kind want of to like the, the the gun mechanics to it too like you regardless it depends on how well you roll how many bullets actually hit its target yeah for automatic right. weapons yeah. Yeah. yeah and like i said and you can kind of shape your character to to be competent you might only be competent at one thing at first level but i i like Kind of like shooting, just shooting a gun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, though, I mean, you specialized very much in submachine gun, but you had some other skills at pretty decent levels. Oh, yeah. I'd like, I, I based him around a smuggler criminal. I wanted him to be... What I was honestly thinking was... Also, intimidate was one of my skills. I thought yeah. because we were going to be doing some investigation, I was going to have to <laughs> threaten some people to find out what was going and, on. And quite possibly, that would come into it. I did pick an adventure that was purposely had some investigation and some action. So we yeah. could kind of show off a little bit of everything, yeah, which worked really well. But yeah, like that, that's my big critical hit is I think, I think the skill system is flexible, robust and works well to, to let you both feel like a new player, but actually succeed frequently enough on at least one or two of your, you know, 
signature attacks. I think it's it it helps with the balance of the game too. Like the the critical the way it, the way it was because the game is deadly. Mm-hmm. You have yeah. a chance to die almost instantaneously. I mean, those goals, like this, this is built for level one players, right? This was this uh, is a what this adventure. Yeah, um, the specific adventure, like the whole book, I pulled it from is called Doors to Darkness, and it is intended to be for beginning keepers and players. Okay, and that's part of the reason I'm not a beginning keeper, although I've not really run for seventh edition. But part of that is, yeah, I wanted to sort of go with something that was kind of oriented around. New players, so we get a chance to introduce all the mechanics. So even as a new player, like the lethality is is incredible. So being able mm-hmm. to succeed well at the things you're attuned to um, makes it so important to do so well. So I guess it kind of balances itself out. Sure, you can die, but when you can pull out your Tommy gun and gun down the thing that's mm-hmm. about to kill you. You did some vast amounts of damage on by yourself. Yeah, like yeah. I, I, I was a lethal element too. Mm-hmm. So it, the lethality swings both ways instead of it just being like, mm-hmm. you're going to die. Just yeah, I mean, depends when you, on when. Yeah, when, when you get into some of the big things, like you're not gunning great Cthulhu down with the Tommy gun. No. But at the same time, even if you look back at the stories that a lot of this is based on, yeah, some of it was just straight up horror. You know, there was no hope. Some of them, I mean, they rammed Cthulhu in the face with a ship and <laughs> and put him down at least temporarily in one of the stories. You know, in one of the in the actual Call of Cthulhu, I believe it was. Okay. So you know, they rammed him with a fishing trawler. Mm-hmm. So there has definitely always been a a pulpy element to Call of Cthulhu that gets a little underplayed. I think that. It's still represented in that, you know, like you said, it's very lethal, but that swings both ways depending on what you're fighting. Right? Yeah. And so you are capable of fighting back at least on a low level. Three sticks of dynamite. <laughs> that Yes, exactly. And for me, as a GM, like I said, the system is just, this is 7th edition. They've been working on it forever. <laughs> and it does what it does very well. Mm-hmm. And if you like a grittier feeling system which i have a tendency to to enjoy it does that really well and i think probably for me the biggest thing is because it's been polished for so long and it has they've thought of most situations and they've kind of put something in there to cover it Mm -hmm. without it being super rules heavy yeah the system is fairly straightforward it's easy to pick up but it's not super heavy and it's not fiddly in the way with the dice and different dice types that some systems are, as Dave Rees mentioned, like Pathfinder or old D&D, you know, where you may have a specific die for a specific situation that you may never use again. You know, right. Oh, I'm looking at you, D12 and yeah. Pathfinder or D&D. So is that going to be your hit? Is the uh, uh, Yeah, the... I think it's just the polish overall, All honestly, right. for me. And let's say, so what do we want to go on to next? Do we have... Uh, you know, before we get into into failures, is there any sanity checks? Things that you just didn't think fit? Anything that didn't didn't make sense in the system? Which is weird to say, talking about a game where insanity is a big portion of it, but, right, yeah, you know. Like, sanity check, well, we did a lot of those. <laughs> um, For me, I can't think of any offhand. But, again, I may be glossing it over because I'm well familiar with the system. I... I honestly, I think everything fit in pretty well. Like even looking at my, I'm looking at my character sheet, seeing like, what what was the problem? Blah blah blah. Um, I didn't gain any Cthulhu mythos from that. Well, that's the thing. It's 
the situations, and a lot of that is dictated by the adventure when yeah. you gain it. Cthulhu Mythos is something that is only gained in a f- very few situations. Okay. Um, so for, like, in Davery's example, he straight up received a vision from a great old one named Yig. Okay. The father of serpents. In your case, you were just basically hit with walking nightmares. Yeah. So... They're eh. both... Yeah, I, I can understand now understanding that, I guess. I don't have a whole lot of... I don't. There's not a lot of negative you can say about this game for me. Um, the only thing that I would think that might be a little little negative on on my part is not. This is not a, a sanity check or anything like that. I I would like to see how power the the power characteristic mm-hmm. and magic and all that tie more into the the system because mm-hmm. it's the one part that's not got a real world basis. Yeah, and just this adventure just didn't have much of an opportunity to show it off. Yeah, and well, and the thing with COC as a whole is the characters can learn spells. But spells are, in Call of Duty, are not necessarily good things. Like, the, it's very much a system where magic comes at a cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and that cost is typically sanity, but some things may require blood sacrifice or, or what have you. So it's one of those things where it's very much the more you learn the less stable you become. And magic plays into that. Right. So most of what uses magic tends to be mythos entities rather than the players. But players can pick up spells, and in some cases they're very useful and very important. Okay. But it's nowhere like it is in D&D. Yeah, I just, it, and like I said, it may just be because this one didn't have much of an opportunity to yeah. experience it, but it was like like when you were like, okay, start making power rolls. I'm like, I don't really know what's happening here because... Yeah, power kind of works like spell Wow. Points. Yeah, like I'm looking at some of the spells here. Um, a, a portion ka... Um, it takes 10 magic points, 5 pow, and 2d sanity points per organ. Mm-hmm. May, those, it, yeah. I, I don't know what it does. It doesn't say. Uh, if, let me, I have to flip to that section. Uh, spells. Which spell was that? Um, a portion ka. Sounds almost like something got truncated. <laughs> no, ka is from the Egyptian mythos. It's part of your soul. Yeah, I got no ka. I was trying to figure out what the actual... You can uh, call different you things. Can ah, okay, You gotcha. can call different gods. Um, you call Yog-Sothoth. <laughs> yeah, which is a great old one. One magic point per person. One D sanity points caster time. Um, so basically, every minute you talk to him, it, from one to a hundred minutes, it's casting time. Yeah, you it, lose one d ten sanity points. Yeah, because you're talking to a to thing a, that should not be. Yeah. Um, you know, the spell that hit you was called Mind Blast, and it costs basically a magic point, which is directly derived from your pow. Okay. Um, and there is also some rituals and things that directly spend pow, for example. And for example, if like a big ritual that has more power than the caster can provide can provide it through sacrifice. Other people's, oh, right. for example. So that's part of the storyline. Yeah. So, yeah, magic generally costs magic points, and in some cases, as he as he pointed out, costs sanity or right. blood. You know, and not all of them. For example, there's warding. It's one magic point per stone, and you're literally just making warding stones, like, you know, to keep certain minor entities away from you. That doesn't cost any sanity. And it's the sort of thing that you might find in an old folklore, you know, boundary stones and that sort of thing. Like so not all magic is directly inimical, but a lot of it is because okay. you're doing things, completely unnatural things in a lot of cases. So magic does crop up, but particularly for players to wield it, it tends to be in longer games. 
in longer right. campaigns uh, more commonly. You can. There's also, I'm looking at the items here, you can get books and all this other jazz. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the, the, the mythic tome, the, uh, you know, the blasphemous tome, mm-hmm. that's probably the oldest trope in the system. You know, the Necronomicon yeah, is yeah, from H.P. Yeah. Lovecraft. Yeah. And, you know, if you, you ask somebody to name a an evil book, that tends to be the one that immediately comes right. to mind because it's gone through pop culture for decades. Yeah. You know, but it's from one of the stories and it was written by uh, Abdul Al-Hazrad, I believe is the name. You know, and it's the, you know, book of blasphemous secrets functionally. And there yeah. are several of those within it. And that's the thing. Some of them contain spells. Some of them just contain information. Most of them co- have a cost to sanity. All right. And that's a big thing. Blasphemous tomes is a huge trope within Call of Cthulhu. Right and that's on. part of where the library use and the research and all that comes in. Yeah. Yeah, you so. can definitely tell like what a game focuses on by what its skills are. And the fact that library use is a specific skill. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, you're you're telling people you need to be doing that a lot. Pretty much. Yeah. It's it's very investigative and research focused most of the time. And like I said, I kind of went with it and mentioned that it didn't go so heavily on it, but a lot of them, that's a huge component. For me, I don't really think I have a sanity check on it. And like I said, I think it's just because they've spent so long polishing it that nothing really by seventh, sticks out. By seventh yeah. edition, if you haven't, <laughs> if you haven't fixed things like you that, something's wrong. If you haven't ironed out a lot of the kinks, uh, yeah. you're still pretty kinky. Well, <laughs> critical failures. I mean, and even if it's not things that broke, I mean things you didn't like specifically. You know, I mean, let's we discussed it a little bit, but is there any specific thing that just did not work for you? I guess for me, I. I, I not it didn't work, but I can see it being problematic. Um, the healing. Think about how much damage I took from one blow. If I'm not able, like, there must be some other way to like heal a good portion. Because imagine if this was a longer, like, a, like we were stuck in that dungeon for a, a couple more hours. Like, mm-hmm. I that, could have been. That's, that's the thing is, it's very heavily leaning on being somewhat realistic yeah, in that, in that you're not going to be patching up most major injuries in the field. And I, I can see that. And yeah, I, I definitely agree with what Andrew says there because like I, and I don't know how this one works mm-hmm. now. Like I said, I'm basing a lot of my stuff over 20 years ago and older games that I played then. But I remember back in the, the like eighties and nineties, so many of these games had ideas. Like I remember first edition Shadowrun even did it. Where like if your character gets severely injured or has to go into a sanitarium or something mm-hmm. like that, it's like, oh, your character has to be out for one d six months. It's like, okay, well, I'm just not going to play. Like, uh, like there's there's no point in having these things that eat up all this amount of time in game because it's not like I'm going to just show up at the table and watch other people play. Well, like, yeah. I'm just going to say like, all right, well, either fast forward or I'm not going to be here until like my yeah. character's healed. And generally, COC sort of presumes a bit of fast-forwarding between adventures. It's not generally presumed, particularly like during the 20s when travel and whatnot is slower, that you're immediately going to your next dungeon. You know, it's not like D&D where you're, oh, I've, I've rested for one night, got my spells back, healed up, I'm going to the next dungeon. Mm-hmm. It's presuming that you, your characters have taken some, some time between and that you're not immediately jumping from investigation to investigation. Yeah. And it, it, it's presuming that there's a little bit of fast-forwarding while, you know, like you, as you skill up, that you're kind of you know, maybe training and solidifying those and you're attending to day-to-day business. Right. Um, It's not presuming that you're immediately jumping, you know, adventure to adventure unless there's a story reason for that. You know, for, you know, if the GM has a setup where you don't have time to heal, that might happen. But over the course of a normal campaign, you know, we're setting the 20s. Oh, it's the medicine skill. 
if you have the medicine skill, you can heal up to one d three hit points. Well, still, yeah, when you're thinking more. about it, it's it, it is more, but still, I'm I'm saying like I lost seven. Oh yeah, yeah but, seven hit points. But again, you get near disemboweled in real life. You're down for a yeah, while. and like yeah, I said, that, I know. And that's what they're going for. I which, guess that. Yeah, but. which yeah, which makes total sense. But I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the most entertaining thing to role play. Well, so, I think I think there's a presumption that if you're playing Call of Cthulhu, at least with its core rules, you're kind of buying into that. Yeah, because it is pretty lethal, and it doesn't necessarily fit with the general genre to be able to get back on your feet as fast. Right now, once we go through and look at the pulp rules, I'm interested to see how they handle it because. I know for a fact characters are much more robust in the pulp rules, uh, alternate rules for Call of Cthulhu. So I'm very much interested to see how they handle that aspect. Okay. Because if you're going to go like with the shadow, there's got to be a, you know, there's got to be a difference. Exactly. So I am very much interested in seeing that. But I'll agree with you. I do not have a sanity check. There's not one element of this that I was like, this doesn't make sense. You know, like I don't, I don't understand like the why the mechanics are necessary for this. Like it's everything seems to fit pretty well. So no real, no real proper sanity check. Do we have any real? I mean, real critical failures. I mean, like what we'd actually call a critical failure, other than just. Eh, I'm not sure, sure how well that works. No, I mean, my mine would have been the the sanity thing, just mm-hmm. from like I said, from the old school where mm-hmm. it was like you just lost it and then it was done. Yeah, and like I said, that ended up being. Congratulations! You've made all this. You spent all this time making a character you're going to play three times. But with the recovery and the fact that yeah, like I even ended up with a, a sanity, little more than you had. Yeah, more than I started off. I did. I too. like and I like the the shift in tone from mm-hmm. you know okay play this and it's a crap sack world and eventually you're going to die to if you take a stand you can get a reward you the universe fundamentally rewards mm-hmm. you for standing up to these things even if there's a huge cost to it. Yeah, yeah. and that's always been and this. And it's always been there a little bit, but it was never the way most people played it. I've always tried to run it in that manner. It's not so much that your characters are going to ultimately win because you're sort of fighting against unknowable elemental forces of the universe, but your characters are heroes in the sense that you're buying everyone else a little more that time. much more time. Right. And that, like I said, that. That change in tone mm-hmm. is huge, and that makes this into a system I would play. Yeah. Whereas before was no. Yeah, and I, you know, I ran into the same thing. You know, I've been I've been playing this for many years, and off and on, you know, and I ran into the same thing you did. There were so many GMs that took such delight in their kill count, in you know how many players they that they that had lost their character because they were insane or because they'd been eaten. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's part of it. And you're going to lose characters. And right. it happens. And that's it's expected. But the GM should not be fundamentally driving for that. Right. Because that's not... Even if it is a horror game, that's not fundamentally entertaining. Exactly, yeah. There's no... Like, if the two of us were playing and, you know, Aiden got eaten by some horrible monster, then there's this huge impact. And mm-hmm. like, as I go forward to Hank, that's going to impact Hank. Whereas, yeah, if you make a game that's just... Oh yeah, I'm just going to murder all these characters constantly. Nobody cares. Yeah, Aiden dies. It's like okay, like, whatever. Who cares? I yeah. don't. They're like to quote video games. I don't play Dark Souls. <laughs> I don't play Dark Souls because in Dark Souls you die all the time. Even on that, when you got by the guide, it's prepare to die less. It's not <laughs> like you're going to survive this willy nilly. I just don't have the the fortitude to just keep getting pummeled. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I don't like games with abuse. I'm a storyline guy, so I'm driven by storyline, and it's the investigative 
element to these games. Like, yeah, and it's one of those things. I think it fundamentally punishes foolish decisions on the part of the player because it is that lethal. Yeah, but it should not be the the part the anything like that should be in direct reaction to my mind of something the players have done. Right, yeah, players yeah. should kill themselves. 100%. DMs should just. I mean, if you guys, you know, if you guys piss off a massive cult, yeah, sure, they're going to try and murder you straight up. But at the same time, you know, it's it's a little hard to justify that your characters, you know, I mean, barring the characters knowing they're on a timetable or mm-hmm. something, that you arrive at the cultist hideout, oh, you're too late, they summoned Yogg-Sothoth five minutes ago, and you immediately lose your minds, and yeah. the city is devoured. It's just, all right, fine, you can do that, your players probably aren't coming back next yeah. week. There's consequences, not punishment. Yeah. And that, yeah, yeah, and that's pretty I much like my it. thought. And... Well, so honestly, it sounds like all it leaves is the save versus death. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It sounds surprisingly positive. So, yeah, save versus death. I'd absolutely run it again and play it again. But again, I've been playing this for years. I'm a little biased. I um I thoroughly enjoyed it. I like I actually I didn't think I was going to like the investigative part so much. I didn't think like, and I found myself at the end wanting to spend more time in the tunnels to find out what the hell was going on. That's I wanted to talk to the snake dude and be like, tell me your plans. I wanted him to monologue. So I could be like, ah, and I have these sticks of dynamite. Ha. You know? This is not Marvel. The villains do not monologue necessarily. <laughs> huh, David, to me. Maybe if we weren't on a one shot, we'd have been able to get some money. That, is, that is also possible. Yes. So David, I know you had a lot of reservations going into it, as we said. So, well, what do you think? Yeah, no, I I would definitely try this again. I uh, I would definitely try a long term campaign. Like I said, I'd love to see the magic in more of a mm-hmm. system. I'd love to see a game where we could, since we weren't on a schedule of doing a one shot, where we could maybe breathe and do a little more slow investigation and get a little more horror. Yeah, like get a get a better feel for yeah, it. Yeah, like if we could pace it a little more slowly, so we could try and do the horror element. I'd 100% give this, this another try. And we yeah. will be seeing the core system more or less again because we are intending to do the pulp rules at yeah, some point. And right. we're intending to do Down Darker Trails, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, which is the uh, the Western variant. Which I'm, I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to the Western. I, being, coming from Scotland, um, <laughs> Western culture is deeply rooted where <laughs> I am from. And we grew up with it. So I'm, I'm totally... Andrew's wearing a cowboy hat right yeah, now. The West, West of Scotland. I never take my cowboy hat Western Scotland. Uh, I actually come from the West of Scotland. That's the funny thing. Um, <laughs> no, but like, I I love cowboy stuff. So mixing, mixing cowboy and mythos, that's two of my... I'm, I'm very interested from a GM's perspective to see how they've handled it. So yeah, I'm yeah. looking forward to it. So honestly, I think... We've all we're all agreed. We're Three thumbs up. Pretty yeah, yeah, solidly positive on it. Yeah. So it's actually I'm, probably out of all the systems we've played, got few the fewest holes. And at the seventh edition. Yeah, I was gonna say have. they better yeah. at this point, right? <laughs> so all right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this. And uh, as always, if there's anything else you'd like us to review, please reach out to us and we'll see you all next week. See you then. Bye. Well, Cthulians, we survived with only a touch of madness, with just enough of a taste to pique our curiosity. If you want to know what lies beyond, please join us next Thursday for more. Want to suggest a game? Please email us at fortunesuntoldpodcast at gmail.com, the Fortunes Untold Facebook or Twitter. You can also find us on Google Play or iTunes, and of course, at our home on the Nerds Unearthed website. Thank you for listening, and roll on. <laughs>